Casey and I'm Emily and this is Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Yeah. Back <laughs> after a holiday hiatus, let's call it. Yeah, three That's weeks. Basically what it was. Emily got stranded. I did. In Illinois. I was affected by the great Southwest cancellation of 2022. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, that was not a fun time. I mean, it kind of was a fun time because I got to stay with my family longer. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was stranded in some random city, but that's true. Or yeah. like it's not like you were stranded away from your family. Yeah. Because that would that would really that would have really, really sucked. sucked. So I feel bad for everyone that happened to, that happened to. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I was traveling and we both, you know, were with families over the holidays so now we're back yep better than ever but new year new me 2023 yeah new year not so new me but like let's hope it's a good year <laughs> and i guess i'll officially make my announcement uh, to all of my listeners is baby well i'm not gonna say my last name uh, maybe number two on the way, 2023. Woohoo! New Year's uh, baby. Yeah, so we're probably going to take another short hiatus in July. Yeah. <laughs> so that I can it's... give birth. Oh, <laughs> and another fun thing. Wow, these, this is just a, a lot of new stuff, at least going on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Is I just started working on... The OB floor. So yeah. I'm delivering babies now. New job. Lot, yeah. Lots going on. I'm so happy for I you. Too. <laughs> it's 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 such a uh, welcoming environment and everyone's yeah. so happy. It's definitely maybe I'm feeling less a little less morbid these days just because I'm <laughs> around life. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Holidays, happiness, everything. Yeah. And we're gonna bring it down. and (laughs) let's talk about murder (laughs) um well nobody died in this case so not not that low yet we'll we'll ease into it we'll ease back (laughs) all right sounds good um okay yeah so this one um is about a string of hoax calls that were happening um for over around a decade and um it starts in the 90s but the first case i'm going to talk about um is one that happened in 2004 in mount washington kentucky um detective buddy stump gets called out to a mcdonald's and there are cop cars everywhere and the employees are very frazzled and it's a chaotic environment when he gets there And he sees a young woman in the back office. She's very upset. And there's a manager of the McDonald's and the assistant manager in the back, too. And they said, rather than, like, explaining this to you, we have CCTV footage of the whole incident. So you can watch it. So Detective Buddy started watching it. Um, The assistant manager, Donna Summers, gets a call in the back office And she answers it, and the caller says he's a police officer and has a McDonald's corporate rep on the line, too, and tells her one of her employees has been accused of stealing a wallet. And he describes her as, like, a petite young girl with brown hair. And Donna says, oh, yeah, we have that employee. She's here. And Donna calls Louise Ogborn, who was 18 years old at the time, to come in the back and... The officer on the phone says, we can either come and arrest her at the west at the restaurant or you can do a strip search there to see if she has the money on her. <gasps> Sounds sketchy already. Oh, no. Yeah. So Donna has her turn out her pockets and she doesn't have anything in them. And then another manager comes in and they put like a garbage bag over the door so no one can see inside. And... They describe the caller as sounding very calm, authoritative, intelligent, believable, and they really believe he's a police officer. So they do as he says. And 
the caller has them start taking her clothes off until she's completely naked in this back office. Uh, excuse me? Yeah. No, the two man are they both female managers? Um one of them is female, one is male. <gasps> yeah. Are you kidding me? An 18 Oh, they're lucky she's 18. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that is horrible. Mhm. Still so young and everything. Not I mean, yeah, she is still so young. Yeah, if she was like, older, as... it still would have been just as horrible, you know, but yeah. yeah. It's just as far as like them getting arrested and mm-hmm. And it being a, a, a more of an issue, I'm saying, because yeah. they, it does. It sounds like they. I mean, even though they're definitely in the wrong, and like, okay, come on, like, where's your common sense? Um, yeah, they they just didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> no, yeah, that's oh the thing. God. Like, there's so many victims with this because it's the victim, you know, the young girls. Because spoiler alert, this happens more than once. Um, and then, you know, the managers who are unknowingly, you know, like complicit in this too, which, yeah, you should use common sense, but you know, yeah. I mean, I would just say, okay, no, you need to go down to the, like, to, to the police station. Like, I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, they you need to get her. Like, that is not, that is not in my job description is to strip search my employees. Right. Yeah. Like that is, I yeah I feel like I there is no scenario where I would ever like well for one feel comfortable doing that like even if right. someone's authority on the phone is telling me to do that, I couldn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's true. Oh. And plus, oh okay, so and yeah, if she doesn't have this wallet on her, then she's innocent. She couldn't have taken it and hidden it somewhere or anything. Yeah. Need to come come down there and do something if it were really a police incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's just ridiculous. Um, though the managers take all of Louise's belongings, even her car keys, and the officer officer on the phone instructs them to put them outside in her car. So even if she wanted to leave, like, hey, I'm gonna. This is really uncomfortable for me. She would have had to run through a busy McDonald's, like, naked to get out. So, like, that's embarrassing. She's not going to do that, so she stays put, you know. They took her clothes out of the room and everything. <gasps> um, And at this point, it's been going on for hours. Like, she's been sitting back. They gave her an apron, which, like, you know, covers the front of her, and that's it. Um. And Donna has to go back to work because it's been a long time and she's a manager of a busy McDonald's. And the caller asks, and or she asks, like, what's taking so long? Like, why aren't you here yet? And he's like, we don't have many officers on duty today. It's just going to take a while. I need you to, I need someone to stay on the phone. And she's like, well, I have to go back to work. And he asks her if there's a man in her life she trusts that could come and watch over Louise. So she has her fiance come in to watch her. Um, his name is Walter Nix, and she gives him the phone. Um, yeah, and the caller tells Walter Louise needs to drop her apron and start doing, like, jumping jacks and, like, shake and see if anything falls out, like, because she could have hidden it anywhere on her body, you know. Um, they have her, like, run in place, stand on a chair, and, like, she's doing all sorts of things like that for, like, over an hour. But naked? Yeah. In front of the stranger, who's, like, not even an employee. Like, it was the manager's fiancé. Was she just crying the whole time? Yeah, you can see in the tape, she's, like, crying, protesting that it wasn't her who stole it, that it was all a mistake. Just traumatizing. That is horrible. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, Donna comes in to the back office, and Louise, like, covers herself with the apron, so Donna doesn't really see what's going on, like all the like jumping jacks part of it, because she's going like in and out and it stops when she walks in. And um, apparently Walter Nix, like before this incident, is totally normal, upstanding person. But when faced with this situation, he had like no thoughts in his brain that this was wrong and probably shouldn't be doing this. Is he um, the fiance? Yes. Okay. Yeah. At one point, he had her like 
um, under the caller's instruction, uh, sit on his lap and, like, even had her, like, bend over and he spanked her for, like, 20 minutes because the caller told him to do it. And he just did it without thinking, like, this isn't a normal strip search. This isn't what people do, you know? Um. Um. Bad. Yeah, I really, I don't, I don't, I... Sorry, I'm at a loss for words. It's weird. I don't believe that. I don't believe that he didn't know better. I mean, anyone, like, no. I I don't believe that he didn't know any better. I really don't. I think that he saw this opportunity and he took it. Yeah. I, I think that he just had the chance to have a naked girl sit on his lap and spank her. And he's like, okay, all I can do is benefit from this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't believe that he didn't know any better than that. I mean, come on. You yeah, you'd think people could wrap their brains around this isn't normal. So yeah, yeah. there's no way. There's I don't know. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Walter is instructed to kiss her to see if she has alcohol in her breath. Like, oh yeah, because that's how you would normally test that. Mm-hmm. And oh, then- did he? He did do it. Yeah. See, what a freaking idiot. I'm sorry, Walter. You took the you took an opportunity. You you might have not concocted it, but you did not speak up. That's so wrong. Yeah. There are like anybody would know that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And then just, I cannot believe this. Okay, go on. It escalates. Um, because then the caller instructs Louise to give walter oral sex and she does because she's petrified and scared and wow. after that is when walter seems to realize what is actually happening and like he quickly like takes off like he runs away just leaves and because it's like like bing in his head like oh i should not have done that and like takes off um leaving her back there by herself um yeah. So, buddy, I am so confused. I know it's so weird. It's literally like nothing I've you've ever heard before. Honestly, like this is such a strange crime. No yeah. one can speak with enough authority. I I would think. I just can't believe that. Apparently, you can. And for her to be like. I mean, she's eight. Like, I feel bad for her because she's definitely the victim here. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And so, like, I'm not blaming her at all. I just don't know, like, I don't know how it got that far. Just someone mm-hmm. on the phone telling you to do those things. Like, what was his excuse at that point? I'm not sure what it was <laughs> then. I don't know what he would have told her. So, at this point in the tape, that the detective is watching at that point he immediately has an officer go to walter's house to arrest him um and then back on the tape after walter leaves donna has a custodian come in for help and this person right away is like excuse me and he here he grabs the phone and is like what's going on here's like three words that this caller says and is like no way this is not real this is ridiculous and i'm calling the real cops and hangs up on them um and he tells donna how how could you do this this is a hoax and she she like comes to the realization that it was all fake and she's very very surprised and the person who thank god you know i wish that person came in earlier to help but they couldn't have known but thank god somebody came in and was like are you ridiculous like I can't believe you let this go on for hours. For Where's hours. Common sense. Yeah. Um. So the detectives believe this caller gets like obviously sexual satisfaction over just hearing it on the phone and like liking that they have the power to get others to do this, like feeling like they have the authority to do it. Oh, so you don't think that they have access to like the cameras? No, they don't. They oh. don't. They can't see anything. Are you kidding? Um, it's all just like hearing it over the phone. What? Yeah. I think I thought that it would have been like like the that he had access to like the CCTV or cameras or whatever. Nope. That would have made more sense. 
But no, it's even weirder than that because it's just it's the noise audio. It's just Yeah. the audio. Yeah, that is so weird. Mm-hmm. Because even just in that time when she's just sitting there in an apron, like, he doesn't know that. Yeah. That's so weird. Very. And that's when detective um, Buddy realizes that this young lady, Louise, is his neighbor. And he grew up with her dad and they were very close. So now he's like, this is very personal for me. Like, I know this young woman and Yeah. I'm going to make sure whoever did this sits in jail. Um, so he starts looking on the internet for McDonald's strip searches and finds news stories of similar things happening all over the place, all over the U.S. at all sorts of fast food restaurants. And it's almost Really? always the same. Um, that at a Taco Bell in Phoenix, the caller picked out a customer that needed to be searched, not even like an employee. Um, Wait, okay, wait. so he knows what they look like. no. Well, Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> Keep going. um, one happened in Oak Brook, Illinois, not too far from us. One of these hoax calls. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Um, and he goes back and finds out that this spanned 73 cases in 32 states starting in 1994. And it's 2004 when someone starts investigating it. So this has been happening with no consequences for a decade. I mean, how do you track that? That's, yeah, crazy. Um, in Oh, 1999, in Blackfoot, Idaho, 16-year-old Elizabeth was working at her local pizza place when it happened to no. her. Um, she gets called back by the manager, and it's a similar thing. She gets accused of stealing a customer's purse with $50 inside it, and the caller is like, it was... A girl, a little over five foot, blonde hair, and they're like, oh, yeah, we we have someone who fits that description. But the thing is, he's not giving names of who the suspect is, and he's giving very vague descriptions that could easily fit anybody there. You know, he knows, oh, there's likely to be somebody a little over five foot, blonde hair, who's going to be there, you know? Yeah. And that's all it takes. They're like, oh, yeah, that person's here. Me, yeah. Not asking for a name or anything. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Uh. So Elizabeth denies that it was her, of course, but the caller insists she be strip searched and one item at a time, she loses all her clothing. And then she's like um, pleading and like, this isn't right. This isn't right. But the caller asks the manager to start describing what her body looks like to him and like what her breasts and genitals look like and her bra size. And Elizabeth snatches the phone away and is like, how does my bra size have anything to do with me possibly stealing a $50 bill? Which is like, good for her. Yes. Seriously. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. And finally, her 22-year-old co-worker Derek walks in the back and sees the manager who's like pouring sweat, like obviously super nervous and Elizabeth like completely naked. And he says, like, what the f*** are you doing? And the manager's Yeah. like, there's an officer on the phone. And Derek takes the phone and is like, who is this? And the caller explains, like, I'm an officer, blah, blah, blah. And Derek said, if you're a real police officer, then you should know that this manager should not be strip searching a minor, especially a female. This is not something that a civilian does. And I'm getting the real cops. And the caller hung up. Find us someone else with common sense. Yeah. A It's twenty. just too I'm. bad that these people with common sense, like, have to. To come in after something horrific has already happened. Like, they weren't the ones to initially pick up the Well, phone, how many people unfortunately. do you think? How many people do you think were like kind of let it get? Like, I feel like I would, I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a person that fits that description here. Like, let me Mm -hmm. let me bring her in here so you can talk to her, and then like get to the point where like. Um, then they say like okay you need a strip searcher I would say no Yeah. like that's when I'd be like I don't know if I would I think I would think it's a hoax but no matter what I wouldn't do it even if it was the police you know Yeah. so <sighs> that's just so messed up I don't know it makes me like I'm like how old was that 
manager compared to that 22 year old like you would think that the manager would have a little bit more common sense yeah you would you would hope and think i don't know how old that manager was but definitely to be showed up like that by someone probably younger than them well you said tw- i mean yeah 22 i'd be surprised yeah it's just it's just so bizarre so elizabeth went home that night and she like wrote down everything that happened um kind of to process it and also to like document it and mm-hmm. um in 2004 in west bridgewater massachusetts four wendy's that were only a few miles apart from each other had the same collar and it all happened on the same day like four different locations um and one of them was a wendy's female manager was tricked into assaulting a young man and he was asked to like spread his arms and legs and she touched him like inappropriately um so it wasn't just women every time it was like men and women who were getting assaulted okay i just can't i just cannot get over this i cannot i that's like a psychological study that needs to be or i'm sure has been done to see like what how much authority can get you to do funnily enough there is a study and i have included it so we will okay okay that's very interesting this this is really interesting and i think that it can also be brought to or like kind of compared to with like nazi germany even with like all the horrible things that were going on there and all the people that just seemed okay with what was happening mm-hmm. and it just is because authority was telling them what to do yeah yep that's definitely it's something that's just ingrained in you from a young age to respect and listen to authority so at the same time you can say how could you do this i would never do this but you don't know you don't know that you would never honestly yeah you would hope i, know, I keep on i keep on like i i'm my mind is so blown but at the yeah. same but at the same time, but this when happened authority when authority is talking to you. Yeah, you don't want to get in trouble either. Who knows? And, you know, it, it really like this happened to hundreds of people, and yeah. uh, so that really goes to show you: you could be the most normal person who never wants to break the rules, and you could be tricked into this and with the right pressure from what you think in this authoritative figure. Right. Yeah. That is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Detective Victor Flattery uh, was the detective called in to look in those Wendy's cases. And one of the employees there thought to star 69 the number, which would dial it back to whatever number, like, called it called from. Okay. Um, so they call the number twice, and they get just a busy signal. So it was, like, a one-time use phone call so that kind of led to nothing so neither buddy or victor who are the two detectives working on this have any evidence at this point the phone numbers they keep looking into lead to nothing finally buddy decides to call at&t and an employee there says they think it could be the phone number could be from a prepaid calling card um which would give you like a temporary phone number that you could load like minutes and stuff onto i don't really know how those prepaid calling cards work because we don't really have them now i think yeah but um yeah so victor also started looking into at&t and asked for the original number my notes don't make sense when (laughs) oops okay let me start that sentence over um victor also looks into at&t and asks for the original phone number that asked for the fake numbers does that make sense yep okay um but he's told that number cannot be traced they can't give that out or they can't find it um and then after four months of calling and calling and calling trying to figure this out but like between the detectives and at&t they finally give in and they're like well this isn't public knowledge we don't like the public to know but Yes, the calling cards are traceable since 9-11. We have put that security 
thing in place. So they're very excited. They're like, okay, let's do this. And they find out that the real phone number ordering the cards is coming from Panama City, Florida. Um, but the calls are still coming from pay phones. So even though they know it's coming from Panama City, it's from random pay phones. So it doesn't help them trace like who's doing it and where they live or anything like that. That's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, but Victor calls the Panama City detectives and finds out that the caller had been calling restaurants in their area as well. So he's not just doing random ones. He's doing his own local restaurants as well, which makes it even more crazy because you wouldn't think you'd put the heat on yourself like living in that community. Right, but, right. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time that Detective Victor realizes this is happening in so many places. He didn't know it was happening all over the place. He thought it was just a one-time incident with the four Wendy's that he was looking into. Oh, um, okay. So now he wants, he's able to find out that the calling cards were bought on February 19th at a Walmart in Panama City. So he calls that Walmart saying, this card was purchased at this time and this date. Can you please tell me who bought it? And Walmart kind of points him all over the place until he finally gets a yes, and they send him a VHS tape of security footage. Um, But it is so much footage of thousands of people um, going in and out of the Walmart, and they don't know what he looks like. And the images flash between sections of the store, like, so fast. So it's just, it's disorienting and hard to, like, fish through. Um, and they don't have any footage of like the registers, so they can't see people oh. buying things. Um, so it's kind of a dead end. Yeah. Oh man. I know. That's so frustrating. It's like so close. Yeah. And what? No, no footage of the registers. I know. That's, that's what you think stupid. you would need them the most, right? Like, yeah. you have people around cash registers? Question. Yeah. I mean, like that's where people are coming and going, and. Also, yeah. that's where the money is. If there's any kind of robberies or anything. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a that's a weird choice, Walmart, but okay. Yeah. Um, so, but then Victor gets a call from Buddy Stump, and the two are very excited to talk Ooh. because they both realize the two of them are really the only two people really working on this case, and they decide to collab with each other to help each other out. Um. And the calling card from Buddy's case with Louise was purchased at a different Walmart. So they were able to call the other Walmart and ask mm-hmm. for their tapes. And theirs are their tapes are a lot more clear. Good. And um, they see a man who is a white male, 30 to 40 years old, with black hair, purchasing the calling card. So now they have a picture of him buying it for at least the Mount Washington hoax. Um. So now that they know who to look for, they look back at the tapes that Vic had Mm -hmm. um, to get a full body picture of him. And they see him walking in the entrance of the Walmart and in a uniform. And he's a cop. He's in a cop uniform. It's plot twist. Um, So then in Statesboro, Georgia... There's another victim. Her name is Deborah. Um, she was 19 years old at the time, working at Taco Bell. And again, she's called to the back for a, supposedly stealing a purse. And she's told to take all of her clothes off. And the manager put her clothes in a safe. So she couldn't even, like, access it. Um she was asked to do like exercises to like make her sweat and the caller was like a green residue is going to show up on her skin if she has any like hidden money um so you need to like rub the sweat on her skin to check for this residue um uh excuse me it's just ridiculous like what What? so she has like money shoved up her butt then it's gonna secrete out of her skin like what I don't don't know what the logic is, but yeah. Like, what residue? I don't know. 
I can't say I've ever touched money and suddenly my hand was green. But I can't say yeah. Sure. I I have fifty bucks in my pocket, then all of a sudden I'm sweating green. Yeah. That's so weird. Um so this happened for a while, but then towards the end of it, the manager started getting really angry and said, F you, hung up the phone, tossed her clothes at her and walked out. And she well, didn't I, what? I was just gonna say, I think these these managers are realizing just too late yeah. how deep they're in. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it always seems like it hits a certain point with them and they're like, oh, like the ball dropped and like they realize yeah and they and then they're like oh no like now i'm in trouble like that one <laughs> guy that just ran out yeah yeah um deborah herself didn't realize it was a fake call until about two days later um and it really affected her mental health as it would you know she was really depressed. She quit school, lost her scholarship, um, and it like kind of derailed her life for a few years there until she picked wow. herself back up. But yeah, um, cool. Victor decides to go to Panama City to find this cop and locates a phone booth at a gas station where calls are, were placed to the Wendy's cases, um, and Vic shows. Panama City detectives, the videos and the photos, but nobody at any of the police stations recognized him. And then they say, oh, this guy's not a cop. He's a corrections officer. You need to be looking at prison. Oh, okay. So they were on the right track with law enforcement, but he was not actually a cop. Okay. Um, so then they decide to start looking in prisons for him in the area. Okay. Um. On the me- in the meantime, Buddy is working on charges against Donna Summers and Walter Nix for their part in assaulting Louise. Um, the judge doesn't feel too bad for Walter being a victim and gives him five years, and he's on a sex offender list for life. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I- Which, I mean, maybe you were tricked into it, but you did it, so. Yeah, I yeah. don't, yeah, no. I, I think that he deserved that. I don't think that a cop can get you to kiss and receive oral sex. Yeah. Um, just by talking. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he knew what he was doing. Uh, yeah. Donna takes an Alfred plea, um, which means there's enough evidence to convict you, but you can still maintain your innocence and the name of the law so she pleads guilty to a misdemeanor and she gets a year of probation and is fired from mcdonald's so she serves no jail time okay probation and whatnot um the detective detectives and judges don't really believe that somebody could do these things just because they were told to over the phone so they don't really have a lot of sympathy Um, Like, law enforcement doesn't really have a lot of sympathy for these people. However, psychologists involved in this case do have some sympathy. So, um, Dr. Jerry M. Berger compares this case to the very famous uh, Milgram study, which I do remember learning about this in sociology or something a long time ago. So, in that study... uh, Dr. Stanley Milgram was interested in people's ability and willingness to follow authority and how intrinsic it is to our brains and behaviors to do so. So he set up a fake lab to supposedly study obedience. Um, One person ran the study. One person was the real participant. And one person was just an actor. Um, So the teacher who was the actual participant and didn't know that this was like a study was asked to give the actor a memory test. And if the actor got it wrong, they would be uh, punished with electrical shocks. So real shocks were not being given, but the actor would pretend to be shocked. Um, And every time the actor was wrong, the vaults would go up like how, you know how powerful it would be 
And what they found from these studies that 65% of the participants would go along with delivering the shocks, even though they believed it was extremely painful and even deadly to a point, just because they were told to. And many of them, most of them, were very, very hesitant. They did not look happy to do it. They were like agonizing over having to do it, but they did it. And But they would still do it. Hmm. Yeah. And one man was even asked, like, um, well, you were really pushing the switch. And he was like, yes, I was. And the study administrator said, well, why didn't you just stop? And the person said, I wasn't allowed to. I wanted to stop, but I wasn't allowed to. So that study really proves no matter what you 65% of people did, they continued to do it because they were told to. So psychologists looking at this case definitely compare it to that. Like when faced with the authority, you would most likely comply because That's of the nuts. fear of what would happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. It's the like age old question that, you know, like we said earlier, like, Everyone wants to say, absolutely not, I wouldn't, but. Yeah. No, you just never know. I know. Like, what would would you do in that situation? Like, if an authority figure is telling you to do something, I genuinely, but I I have an issue with authority. So I, like, I already don't want to do what they tell me to do. Anarchist. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I really, I don't think that would be an issue for me. I don't think I'd be afraid of telling them no. Yeah. Kind of I'm kind of known for purposely <laughs> rebelling just because if it doesn't make sense to me, I won't do it. So mm-hmm. I don't I genuinely don't think that I personally would do it. Just yeah. because that's like I think my mom would agree. <laughs> <laughs> just like with my history, I just don't Yeah. I don't yeah. if it doesn't make sense, I don't do it. And it's it, that's a it, like I'm saying it as if it's like, oh, I'm so cool. No, it's it's been like a bad thing in my like, like in school. And, yeah, we'll tell you what to do. Jobs, like, yeah, no, it's not it's not the best best trait to, have, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's pros and cons. I feel yeah. like. Um. Yeah. So a <laughs> a man named. Alan, who previous to this had never crossed any legal lines, never been cruel or unkind, um, finds himself facing rape and kidnapping charges for uh, he was one of the managers um, at a Hardee's who believed it was a police officer. Um, the call he was on went on for two and a half hours. Um, Alan sees no money that the young lady was accused of stealing. Um, And he says, I don't really want to do this. Um, I don't see any money, so this call should be over now, right? And the caller said, well, now you need to look for drugs on her. And Alan's like, I thought this was about stolen money, and all of a sudden you're saying that there's drugs involved. I really don't know if I should do this. But he's told to, and he does continue, And he touches her all over like he's instructed, um, looking supposedly for drugs. And then somebody else comes in and sees him doing that and they end the call. And Alan leaves and goes home and he starts thinking, oh, that was definitely a prank. Like, oh, shit, you know, what have I done? And he shows up for work the next day and the cops are there and he's arrested for um, kidnapping and second degree rape. Uh, He's found not guilty to these charges um they were this jury and judge were definitely more sympathetic to him being a victim than uh what happened with like donna and walter um and they stated that they despise what he did but cannot find him criminal in this case so i agree with that one i mean yeah it toes the line for sure yeah i yeah but then the kidnapping thing is a little dramatic. Like what? Like it's not right. like he tied her up. No, she was in the back office of the of the restaurant. 
So I wouldn't exactly say it's kidnapping. I know some of the charges and other some of the other cases uh, filed for false imprisonment for being held there in the back offices. I and that. I think that would be more, uh, you're more likely to get a guilty for that than kidnapping. Yeah, I can see that more than kidnapping. Like, I just, I mean, maybe it's just because kidnapping, like. Suggests like, you were taken, right? Exactly. Yeah, you were yeah. taken somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I think that the imprisonment thing is better. Yeah. Though Victor starts going to jails in Panama City, and at the second jail they visit, the warden identifies this man as David Stewart. And David was actually in the building working that day. So uh, Vic takes him in for questioning right away. Mm -hmm. And he's obviously very squirmy. um, And Vic says, I know it was you. Yeah, doesn't and, does he do a strip search on him? <laughs> he should have. Oh my medicine. god! But he's a real police officer, so yeah. he follows the rules. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so that's like a missed opportunity. God, don't you wish you could? <laughs> yeah, like, as Not me, but like <laughs> jumping jacks. Oh, it's horrifying. I'll find those prepaid calls on you. Cards. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. So Vic says, "I know it was you." And David says, was anybody hurt? And then he said, thank God it's over. Um, but then when they continued their conversation, Vic says, I have video of you buying these calling cards. And then he switches it to insisting he wasn't the guy. He wasn't the one to make these calls. And he pleads the fifth. After almost basically confessing by saying, thank God it's over. Was anyone hurt? You know, he probably realized, oh, wait, that's actually not that much. Like, so what I bought calling cards. Yeah. So he might have been like, "Mm -hmm, I can actually get away with this. Yeah. So. A search warrant is ordered for his home and they find police magazines, applications for police jobs, diaries um of like police cases so he was clearly like obsessed with becoming a police officer and that's what he really wanted um he really liked and being an authority figure or trying to be one so that was definitely something that's interesting that like with his history of being a corrections officer and then like he's applying and he's obviously trying and has a passion for it that he's not a police officer and then it also makes you kind of scared because then you're like, how many police officers out there? I mean, we've definitely covered a few cases where, I mean, we know they exist, especially our last case. Yeah. Um, that are just really messed up people mm-hmm. that are out there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he failed personality tests or something. Oh, yeah. They, I know they do that, too. Yeah, because it's like, how do you how do you get into the point where you you can be a, a corrections officer, but not a police officer? Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like mall cop. <laughs> yeah, you if you don't oh. qualify for a police officer, you're a mall cop. Yeah, no disrespect, mall cops. No disrespect, um, and COs. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's more. Guys, <laughs> you guys do hard work too. Bless. Obviously, yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I get to. Um, so then with the search warrant, they do find a prepaid calling card in his house. So they're like, gotcha. You do buy these. We know. Um, and Vic wants the DA to allow a sexual assault charge against him. But the DA thinks it's pretty much impossible since he was just on the phone. Um, says it can only be charged as like a hoax. They can't... Um, charge him with anything having to do with sexual assault uh so vic calls buddy to get help to convince the da um and the two of them fight hard with judges and attorneys um and they get an arrest buddy manages to get a warrant to arrest him on sexual assault assault charges so he flies to florida um david was married and had kids and had never even had a speeding ticket before. Um, but he was given a $500,000 bond. 
um, and is charged with solicitation and sodomy and impersonating a police officer because that was the best they could do. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, his bond was managed to be lowered to $100,000 and he was released. In the meantime, some of the other victims are trying to go after the big corporations for what happened to them um, since they're kind of sitting and waiting for any charges on anybody, really. Um, The manager who assaulted Deborah at Taco Bell is never charged with anything, so she decides to sue Taco Bell. Um, Taco Bell implied that she was complicit in the whole thing and basically that it was her fault. Oh, Um, are they the police? Are they the... I mean, she was found not guilty in court. Right. And she didn't want to testify and, like, recount her whole story and drag that all up, which, fair, because that's traumatizing. But the judge was angry that she wouldn't do it, so they just threw out her case altogether. Um, And the judge even sent a very condescending statement to her saying, this is a very expensive endeavor. You could never hope to pay for this. You're too naive to understand what it takes legally to take on a big corporation. And basically, it was a shame on you. Hope you learned your lesson kind of note that they sent her. That's um, inappropriate. That's very inappropriate. Um, Louise Ogborn decides to go after McDonald's she wanted an apology from them and two hundred million dollars. Um, <laughs> when you basically, first when she, you first said apology, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. They're saying two hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's um, bit. <laughs> but she did say she's like, it's not about the money. I just want outrageous to know. Like, I want to be taken seriously. So, like, I don't think she ever intended that she was actually going to get that much money, but. As a statement, like, you effed up. And she hired attorney Anne Oldfather, Oldfather, I don't know why I stumbled on that, um, who was a very fierce and well-known attorney. McDonald's sent private investigators to serve subpoenas to Louise's friends, who were to be her witnesses. And uh, that private investigator that McDonald's hired was arrested for impersonating an officer. So that was a very bad look for McDonald's because they were caught trying to intimidate her witnesses. Ooh, and impersonating an officer, which is already kind of the case. (gasps) Because a private investigator cannot serve a subpoena. They don't have the authority to do so. So this looks very bad for McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, that is so much more fuel on the fire. Like, okay, so now I'd be like, so now McDonald's is taunting me with this PI they hired impersonating a, an investigator. Mm-hmm. Like, I would I would literally be like, okay, I'm just being mocked now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And McDonald's really did want to victim shame Louise. They wanted access to her therapy notes and her MySpace tried to make her look like she was just a silly girl who is getting in over her head. Um, Doesn't matter. She's yeah. Like- but then Anne, her attorney, finds out that McDonald's knew of other hoax calls in the past and had completely ignored it and not told any of their employees or warned anyone yeah. about it. They had um, s- quietly settled six cases of this in the past. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Didn't Make say anything. your employees aware it could easily be avoided it would have been as simple as hey this is happening if you get a phone call that says they're a police officer just hang up report it to the actual police like it it could have been as simple as that i don't know why they'd like chose to completely ignore it when they yeah they could have saved a lot of pain because Although it was at a lot of restaurants, it was mostly McDonald's that were being called around the country. That's um, ridiculous. So McDonald's was ordered to turn over all of the files, and they had 16 boxes of, like, court files. And they knew of dozens of these cases of strip searches. They knew about it. Um, they then tried to say that Louise was in on this hoax and that... Um, she was saying she was going to get a check for all this, for her troubles, like that she was just after money. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Have yeah. fun with that one. But then 
Anne played the whole tape of what happened to her in the courtroom. So they watched that three-hour video, and there was, like, for three hours, just silence. And the only thing you could hear were, like, people in the courtroom, like, crying as they watched this. And Louise wins the case against McDonald's, and she's given $6.1 million by them. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Good for her. Yeah. Um, So Mount Washington will prosecute for a criminal case with David. Um, The calls were all made uh, when he was not at work and at areas familiar to him, at, like, payphones where he used to deliver gas and things like that. So they believe, although it's really not much, they are hoping to, like, really pin it on him. And unfortunately, in the end, he is found not guilty because they did not have solid proof that he made the calls but since then since that trial um the calls have stopped and there has been no reported cases of it continuing but i really believe it probably was him especially most likely because of that like almost confession that he started off with when he was brought in you know i mean they narrowed it down they could see him buying the cards yeah i can't believe he was found not guilty yeah unfortunately there just wasn't enough evidence to convict him. It was, I feel like that's basically saying we're all pretty sure it's you, but we like legally cannot, you know, convict you. I wonder how that influenced like his family. Like if, if he stayed with his wife. Right. I have no idea, but. Or any of that. Or like if she was, I, you know, cause you know, you, you would think like, I mean, obviously so many monsters are out there that just are able to disguise it to their families and what and and wives but i'm also thinking like i wonder if there was something where she's hearing about this and it just reminds her of something like oh he is really into just like listening i don't know like yeah or something like Like or he has like such a vivid imagination i don't know something like that where it'd be like Oh, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you look back at things in a different way and you're like, oh. Like, yeah. oh, geez. Like, I wonder if she was kind of like, because I mean, when your husband's accused of something like that horrible, you gotta question it. It's hard not to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people don't until there's like cold, hard evidence, but yeah. It's hard to get over. You definitely have a hard, me personally, I would have a hard time like, looking at them the same yeah unless i was really really sure like it couldn't possibly be you but right uh, i don't know yeah, i have to be pretty certain i think <laughs> oh see ya so casey's laptop died right after that last sentence so i'm just gonna wrap this up um hope you enjoyed listening everybody uh to macabre minds